welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. What one thing could you do that would make the biggest difference in your life and in the world? Some people say, well, praying or reading the Bible every day, that would make a big difference. Some say, well, working for world peace would make the biggest difference. Some say doing a kind deed every day would make a big difference. Now, all of those things are important. But I am increasingly convinced that the one thing that each one of us could do that would make the biggest difference to us and to the world is to rebuild a broken relationship. Nothing would make us pray more or do more to incorporate what the Bible says into the fabric of our lives than taking on the task of rebuilding a broken relationship. Nothing would give our characters more integrity or purpose than rebuilding a broken relationship. Nothing would make us more courageous, more loving, or more fair than rebuilding a broken relationship. Nothing would create more peace in our hearts and minds and in the surrounding world than rebuilding a broken relationship. Wars and crimes of violence, racial tensions, strikes and political feuds are only the sum total of many interpersonal conflicts. The conflicts between brothers and sisters, parents and children, husbands and wives, neighbor and neighbor. In fact, one of the time-honored methods of reducing conflict in a family or in a nation is to find an outside enemy whom we can all hate together. It only stands to reason then that the rebuilding of any relationship creates a bond of peace and reduces tension and its consequent violence. Furthermore, when people rebuild broken relationships, they learn so much about love and forgiveness and lose so much of their own self-arrogance and self-righteousness and hardness of heart that, that just in their presence, this world creates peace around them. You see, the church was meant to be the school in which we would learn the art of rebuilding relationships. Heaven knows there are plenty of schools in which to learn war. The truth is that the most of our educational system is based on a very polite form of violence we called competition. An environment in which you are graded and evaluated and compared to your peers every single day. School does not teach people how to love one another. Unfortunately, many of our homes are even worse than our school systems when it comes to grading and evaluating and comparing. Now, I'm not here and I'm not interested in bashing the military, the schools, or our homes. I just want to point out that 
most of our institutions seem to be set up to create conflict rather than to resolve it. You see, the church was meant to be different. The church was meant to be a community of reconciliation. Look at what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 18. All these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. A ministry of reconciliation means that it is our job to overcome conflicts and rebuild broken relationships. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, by recognizing that conflict is a fact of life. In general, we handle conflict the same way we handle many other important aspects of our life, by pretending it doesn't exist. The truth is, conflict is inevitable. Each of us stands in a different spot, and our perspective is different. No one sees the world exactly the same as anyone else. Furthermore, if we're to be honest with ourselves, we really only see things from our own point of view, but not only from our only point of view, but also from the perspective of our own self-interest. I mean, when an employer looks at a paycheck, the employer sees the gross amount, quickly adds in a percentage for health care, vacation times, and other benefits. When an employee looks at their stub of their paycheck, they see the net amount after taxes and other deductions, quickly make subtractions for the cost of commuting, childcare, and other unreimbursed job-related expenses. Conflicts between these two points of view are inevitable. <clears throat> Conflict in families is inevitable. It is inevitable that men and women will see things differently, and parents and children will see things differently, and a younger child will see things differently than an older child does. No amount of love can erase these differences, not even the passionate love of married people for each other. As James Thurber once wrote, marriage is the relationship between one person who cannot sleep with the window open and another who cannot sleep with the window shut. Now, the first thing we should notice is that the responsibility for resolving any conflict and rebuilding any relationship resides with us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. It says, If your brother or sister sins against you, go. Let's just stop there. Go. It doesn't say, wait for him or her to come to you. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, Go. It's our responsibility to make things right. No matter who is at fault, it is always our responsibility to take that initiative in rebuilding a relationship. 
as Matthew records Jesus saying in the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Now, if you're like me, if someone has hurt you, we tend to sit and nurse that grudge. You will not go to the trouble and take the risk of seeking out someone who has already hurt you in order to rebuild a relationship with that person. I don't think it's an accident that Matthew locates these instructions immediately after the parable of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep in order to go searching for the one who is lost. Love always calls us to be the shepherd, to be the one who goes looking for the brother or sister who is lost, lost to us or either lost because we've sinned against that person or that person has sinned against us. Now, what does it mean to sin against someone? In some ways, the argument amongst English-speaking Christians about the correct way to say the Lord's Prayer teaches us the answer to that question. Some of us, when reciting the Lord's Prayer, say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Others say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Well, both are actually correct. People trespass against us when they do not respect our boundaries. Now, sometimes that is because neither they nor we are clear about exactly where our boundaries are. Robert Frost once wrote a poem making fun of a neighbor who insisted that good fences make good neighbors. The first step in making things right with someone who has trespassed against us is to find out where the line between us really is. Now, if we're talking about like property, real property, we would call a surveyor. But in human relationships, we have to make our own survey of where the boundaries are. Now, that's difficult for some of us. Some people were raised in environments where their boundaries were not respected, where they had no right to privacy or to private thoughts and feelings or even to their own opinion. They've never had the right to say no. When we are not clear about our own boundaries, three things seem to be true about us. We take care of people rather than care about them. That often means that we take care of others instead of taking care of ourselves. The second thing that happens when we're not clear about our boundaries is that we mistake other people's feelings for our own. As I just said, we become unhappy when others are unhappy. Now, some people think, they say, well, that's Christian empathy. After all, Paul says in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. In empathy, however, we knowingly choose to be happy when someone else is happy, or we knowingly choose to weep when someone else weeps. When we don't know where our boundaries are, we think that the other person is making us happy or unhappy, angry or peaceful. The third thing that happens is 
we lose touch with our own feelings. People who aren't in touch say that they are happy when in fact they're deeply depressed. They say that they love other people when in fact they have become angry and bitter. Frequently, when we become angry with other people, it's because we feel as if, though, as if they have taken advantage of us. They have not appreciated us enough. They have little or no concern for our feelings or our limitations. When we feel that way, it is because we have not made our boundaries clear to them and probably not made them clear to ourselves. The process of going to another person and talking about this can be one of the healthiest things we can do for ourselves. When people use us, we often discover that we have been telling people that, is, that it's all right to use us. Many of us, we fear to confront others with the ways they've been using us because, well, we're afraid that they will think we are unchristian, which really means we're afraid that we won't have their approval anymore. See, the thing we need to remember is that getting someone's approval is not the point of a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship means sharing life and sharing love. It often means bearing each other's burdens. But notice that that means we let other people help us just as we help them. Now, suppose someone doesn't want a relationship on those terms. Suppose when we are clear about our boundaries, that person pulls away from us because, well, all that person wants to do is use us. Well, good riddance, we say. Who wants to have a relationship with someone like that anyway? You see, but that's not what the Bible says. We're always hearing that we don't need relationships with unhealthy people. But that's not quite right. We don't need unhealthy relationships with unhealthy people. But Matthew's gospel tells us that we should not be giving up on people as easily as we often do. If we cannot straighten out a relationship in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with another person, or maybe a series of one-on-one -on -one meetings, Jesus tells us to get a couple of other people involved. Now, many of us just want to jump to this stage without going through step one. We want to get other people on our side. Indeed, we would often prefer to complain to someone else and then let them handle it, like a child to complaining to a parent about a brother or sister. That's not the purpose of this intervention by others into our relationship with another person. Matthew says that these other people are like witnesses in a court of law. They are to confirm that what, you, what you're saying is absolutely true. Why would that be necessary? And why would it be helpful in restoring a relationship? Wouldn't bringing other people just polarize the relationship even more? Wouldn't it make the other person feel like you're ganging up on them? Well, I mean, it can feel that way if your intent is to punish that person rather than rebuild the relationship. 
However, it can be a very loving thing to do if you believe two things about the other person. One is that the other person is not a bad person and that whatever it is that that person is doing that is hurting your relationship is something which he or she doesn't really understand is wrong. <clears throat> you see, human nature being what it is, we often resist the truth about ourselves when it requires us to face something we don't want to see or requires real change on our part. Sometimes we dismiss the observations and even outright complaints of another person. If you're like me, you rationalize that they are just overly sensitive or upset about something else and are taking it out on me. But when several people confirm that, confirm that indeed I am the one who is being insensitive, I find it becomes much harder to rationalize. It forces me to face things in myself that I might not face otherwise. In fact, this kind of intervention is one of the most effective ways of helping people who are seriously destroying their own lives and the lives of people around them. It's used especially in the treatment of alcoholism and drug abuse, in which an addict is surrounded in love by family and friends and co-workers, and each person describes what they have seen of that person's addiction and what they have suffered, and each person in turn asks this guest of honor to get help. It is one of the toughest, most, most emotionally exhausting experience anyone can ever go through, but ultimately, it is one of the most loving things that any group of people can do for someone. Many people are troubled by the third step in Matthew's Gospel because it's been used by churches through the centuries as a means of excommunication. I don't think we have to be too concerned with it. I think it, it matters if, it, it, if, it, if things go that far, it's because in most cases, we haven't been really serious about rebuilding the broken relationship in stages one and two. In fact, stages one and two probably need to be tried over and over again in order to restore a broken relationship. However, those who think that this is a formula for excommunication for consigning someone to the outer darkness, they have not considered the context of this passage. Not just the fact that this procedure is sandwiched between the parable about searching for a lost sheep and another parable of forgiveness, but also because of what the words of Jesus were. He says, Matthew 18, but if they still won't pay attention, report it to the church. If they won't pay attention even to the church, treat them as you would a Gentile and a tax collector. That's verse 17. Most of the people who were listening to Jesus that day, the day that he said that, they might have taken that to mean you should have nothing to do with that person ever again just as the Jews had nothing to do with the Gentiles or with the despised tax collectors in their country. However, one man, he would have heard those words and he would have heard them differently. 
he would have heard those words, I believe, exactly just as Jesus meant them. That man's name was Matthew. You remember that when Jesus called Matthew to follow him? Matthew was a tax collector. You see, Matthew would have heard Jesus' words and he would have understood them from a very personal experience as to what Jesus was really saying. Nothing could separate him from the love of Christ. And nothing ought to separate us finally from the people we love in Christ. They may choose to go their own way. We may even have to take certain precautions just to protect ourselves physically from some people, but we never stop loving them. Not even then. And where two or more people agree that even someone who has hurt them deeply can be loved, their Heavenly Father will grant them anything they ask. Let us pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you for accepting us just as we are. Thank you for working in our lives that we not remain as you have found us, but that we can be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, if there's anyone right now dealing with a broken relationship, I pray that you speak to their hearts and minds that they may go and mend that which is broken, not by their power, but by the indwelling of your power in their hearts through the Holy Spirit. Bless each and every viewer, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to that moment in our program where we have our special offer. Uh, those of you that follow us week after week, you know that on every program, we like to make a resource available to you just to help you, to help you in this, the journey that we're all on, this spiritual journey to try to live lives according to the standard which is established in the Word of God. And, you know, today was a tough one. We talked about mending broken relationships, and it means that Many times we have to swallow our pride and take that first step. I know I'm working through this in my own life. And I pray that the power of God's Spirit, you'll have a breakthrough in your life also. Because as I said in the message, I think the most impactful thing we can do to make this world a better place is to repair broken relationships. For the offer this week, I have a book here. It is called Hope Beyond Tomorrow. We are surrounded by grim statistics all around us. Is there hope for tomorrow? This little booklet here answers that question. We'd love to send it to you as a gift. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. It's going to arrive in your home, postage paid. And that's it. It's a gift from Lessons for Living Television. If you would like to request this book, Pay close attention to the information we're going to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. 
You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another television program. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate uh, you being with us week after week. And we would uh, encourage you to let your friends and family know about our program. We're always interested in increasing our viewership, having more people follow the program. So you can play a role in helping us with that. Uh, if they happen to live outside of the area where our program is broadcast, they can always go to our website, l4ltv.com, because under that previous programs tab, every single program we've ever aired is accessible there. Just through the click of a button. They can see the programs, they can download them, they can share them with their, with their friends and family. And so refer them to the website, l4ltv.com. While on the website, Hey, check out some of the other resources that are there, like archived sermons, different messages I've presented around the country on interesting topics. Um, we have a live appearances tab where I, it tells you where I'm appearing live or if we're going to be streaming something or broadcasting something live, you'll get access to it from that particular page. There's also a Donate Today tab, which allows you to donate online to help keep this ministry on the air. We are a charitable organization, and so every dollar that is donated is eligible for a tax-deductible receipt. And so check that out. Uh, our social media presence on Instagram, for example, Santos underscore Bill, uh, every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I put out a one-minute devotional video if you want to have access to that, again, you can share that with friends and family and follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, like our Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, Santos underscore Bill. You can even download an audio version of today's program on SoundCloud. So check those options out. One last website I want to make reference to is our missionnowcanada.com website. And Mission Now Canada is that branch of our ministry that does overseas humanitarian work. And on the website, you can see some of the projects we're involved with in Nicaragua, the Philippines, in Paraguay. Uh, maybe you'd be interested in joining us on an upcoming mission trip. The information is there. Maybe you'd be interested in, in donating to one of those projects. You can do that from the missionnowcanada.com website also. We are rapidly running out of time. Let me thank you again for being with us here. I hope you will join us again next time. 
it really won't be the same if you're not here. So I'll be looking forward to spending these precious moments with you. We'll see you back here again next time.